Welcome to Untitled Cleveland Baseball Prospect Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Schlichting. I'm joined by Brian Heminger. Brian, what are we going to call this thing? Uh, we've got a few options. Um, there's, you know, with the Indians not being called the Indians anymore, and let's go try rebranding to around the corner or uh, to uh, covering the corner. We've got a couple things because, you know, we were Indians on deck, um, but there's all kinds of different things we could do. There's around the corner there's you know you you had an interesting suggestion the the cats to clips which would be from the lowest of single a full season to triple a you know hill or hill cats to the clippers um and i guess we could also be open to suggestion for any listeners if they want to submit anything um i'd be happy to hear that as well because um you know we want something catchy so if you like either of those two, you know, let us know if you like, if you have a better option or idea, we would be happy to hear it. And if I recall, Indians on deck was actually originally a fan suggestion. Too. Yes, it was. a, And I, I really liked that one. So, uh, it, you know, there's our fans can be pretty creative out there. A very exciting time, not only for us, but for every baseball fan, because as we are recording, opening day is tomorrow Two. Morrow, 162 scheduled baseball games for the first time in two years. However, unfortunately, minor league baseball will not be starting as usually scheduled. Yeah, that does upset me a little bit because I love my minor league baseball season. I love doing my minor league updates. I haven't got to do them in over a year now. You know, we just got to wait about a month and then they'll get started. I wish uh, they hadn't been so rash on... uh, pushing it back a month because I think they could have started a little earlier now with uh, the vaccine rollout, but that's okay. You know, we live with it. They'll have their little taxi squad for a, a month and then they'll get rolling. So we'll see what happens, but at least MLB baseball is here and I, and we're going to get all of our games. I just, I'm just thrilled to have the opportunity to go bake in the sun and get a ludicrous sunburn and be really happy about it because I saw a nine inning blowout or something and had a Coke and kept score. It's going to be wonderful. Oh yeah. I am as I am going to be getting home immediately from the office tomorrow and I am just going to be glued to my television. MLB network coverage starts at 9am baby. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I might not be able to get out at 9am, but as soon as I can get out, I will be there. I think you're coming down with a, a terrible cold. So <laughs> who will we be watching tomorrow uh, from the prospect angle on the Cleveland Indians opening day 26 man roster, Brian? Uh, well, they did already, I believe, announce the the, the lineup for tomorrow. Ooh. So I think the biggest surprise uh, uh, prospect wise, you know, Andres Jimenez is going to be the starting shortstop, which is exciting. But prospect wise. It's first base, Yu Chang. <laughs> Major League first baseman, Yu Chang? I thought Bowers won the job? Well, Bowers won the job, but he's a lefty. They're facing, uh, you know, Matthew Boyd. Uh, you know, he can be a pretty tough uh, left-handed pitcher. So they, they said that this was something that could happen, even if, you know, Bobby Bradley had been given the starting job at as a lefty, uh, you know, they want to give Yu Chang some reps and he's earned it. He had a pretty good spring. I think he was one of the team leaders, if not the team leader in home runs uh, during spring training. So, and he 
made the team outright as uh, one of the utility players alongside uh, Ahmad Rosario. So let's see what he can do. Uh, you're not going to see Rosario at first base. So, you know, it, this is at least gives us another option. Yeah, I'm not mad. He definitely deserves to be in the lineup. I'm just confused. I know it's a lefty lefty thing, but like I didn't hear I didn't hear anything about the possibility of Yu Chang playing first. Not seriously. This sounds like some weird OOTP stuff I do when I'm like 20 games below 500. Well, I think we saw that they were open to moving some of our uh, utility infielders that can play multiple positions to first base because we saw it with uh, Owen Miller playing first base. We saw it with, uh, there was somebody else that played first base. I I can't think of off the top of my head, but uh, they they had multiple people that were like right-handed hitters playing first base that don't normally play first base. So yeah, I was thinking that was going to be for like late inning switches, though. I didn't know <laughs> this is going to be an April 1st revelation. And maybe he's going to I don't know. I, I'm, I'm withholding all judgment. I'm going to let this season come to me for once, I think, instead of having expectations. I say that now. Talk to me in three weeks. But and uh, I think the other thing that was interesting is starting center fielder Jordan Luplow. Don't oh, God. <laughs> I know he's a good fielder. I just, like I said, I'm just confused. They view Josh Naylor as the starting right fielder that can play pretty much every day against lefties or righties because he does have pretty good splits against both. Same, same with Eddie Rosario. You know, they're both Rosario and Naylor are both lefties uh, or left-handed hitters, but they can hit both sides or both lefties and righties. So you know, it seems like those guys are going to be playing, you know, as long as they're healthy every day. So center field is going to be a bit of a mis- mishmash of Jordan Luplo, Ben Gamble, and Amon Rosario at the moment. They're really, really testing my platoon portmanteau names. Like Landon Geyerhall, I think, is always going to be the su- supreme, but I'm going to have to sit with this one. I've never had three guys platooning before. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And, you know, Rosario also has the super utility of, you know, every infield position except first. So second. Oh, I think they'll just throw him at first if they feel like it now. Cares, <laughs> maybe, apparently. maybe. They, they, they have a lot of roster flexibility at the moment. So we'll see what they can do with it. Um, I'd say the other player I'm excited about is... Uh, he's not going to play on opening day, but Logan Allen, you know, he absolutely earned... That job in the rotation, he was the best pitcher on the team throughout the spring. I think his ERA was less than one. (laughs) And he had like a ridiculous like 20 to three strikeout to walk ratio. And walks had been a little bit of an issue in the past with him. Not a big one, but at least enough that it was a slight concern. So, I mean, he just has done everything right. If there was any player that earned it with their play in the spring, it was Logan Allen. Agreed. And it's not as if the Indians haven't had guys like, I mean, Bowers and Clevenger. I don't think you would say they had trouble with walks because they were certainly effective without it, without being effectively wild. So I think they've got experience shepherding that kind of pitcher to their particular promised land. And and people forget how young Logan Allen is. I, I know he's been on the team now for like two years a little, about. Um, and he's finally making it, but he's only like two or three months older than Tristan McKenzie. Uh, you know, he was a, a high school arm that, you know, 
paid his dues in the minors and he's only, you know, he's not even 24 years old yet. Uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do. This, this is crazy, by the way. Um, if I don't know if you've had a chance to like look at the age of all of our pitchers. The oldest pitcher on in the starting rotation, Zach Plasek, 26 <laughs> and three months. They just keep developing these young pitchers out of seemingly nowhere. And I am trying to find Logan Allen's last start. And here it is. Five innings, three hits, seven strikeouts. I don't, I was listening to this one and he just was destroying guys. I can't wait to see him. I, I, with the, the, the work that he put in, in the off season, I think he came in, he lost like 30, 35 pounds or so. I read that he basically bought in to the Indians pitching like factory, like all the analytics, like everything. Like he went to like their pitching gurus and stuff and just put in all the work. And it's paid off. I mean, it's been sensational. I mean, we've heard about all like, you know, Aaron Savalli did a lot of uh, work in the off season on like his arm angle and like redefining everything to just to make him more deceptive. Uh, you know, that's what makes our pitching special is the the work we can put in uh, in the off season. We can just revolutionize things. And and Logan Allen was a top one hundred prospect in all of baseball. People forget that. You know, he kind of fell off because. He had a, a little bit of a struggle there in uh, 2019, and then you know 2020, he didn't even get to really do much with the Indians. It seems like he's ready to go, and he's still really young. And this guy could be around a while if uh, you know he comes out and performs like the way I think he could. I'm wondering if he's not going to shoot up the rotation a little bit this season. I mean, season at too. this point, I would have him at number four. I mean, I think Bieber, Playsec, and Savali clear cut one, two, three. But you know, after that, you know, Tristan McKenzie, yeah, he was good in a relatively small sample size last year, but he's had his ups and downs in the spring. So you know, at this point, I have him at the five. Like personally, I have Logan Allen as my number four starter. Any other fun, exciting players on the opening day roster, prospect wise, or maybe some surprises of? of- people that we thought we would see but weren't included i wouldn't say surprise but uh trevor steven is the first rule five player that the indians have kept in years i mean maybe decades so i'm excited to see what he can do he's not going to get the most high leverage situations he has a really good two pitch mix a great fastball a great breaking ball and he throws 98 miles an hour so he's just another weapon out of the bullpen, and I think he's going to stick. I mean, he was one of the better bullpen uh, performers during the springs. I mean, he clearly earned that that opportunity. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. I know he's not a prospect, but and I have been, you know, a big Brian Shaw hater in the past, but he's earned it. He came in, he's throwing, what, 96, 97 miles an hour, and um, three-pitch mix and blowing people away. I, I don't know what happened in the offseason. What what crazy, you know, uh, mixture of stem cells he had injected into his arms or whatever the heck it was. But he he actually seems like he's going to be, a, you know, somebody that we're going to be seeing a lot this, this season. And I'm actually not terrified of it, at least based on uh, his uh, performance in the spring. So I know he's not a prospect. That is interesting to me. And 
in terms of maybe anything I'm disappointed by, uh, you know, I know Oliver Perez has been around a while and he's been dependable, but I would have loved to see um, Kyle Nelson get that spot in our bullpen. He was tremendous in uh, the spring and Perez, I just don't see him getting out the same that he used to. I mean, he's almost 40 now. There was a time, you know, when we had like Scott Atchison and he just basically got converted from bullpen to bullpen coach. Maybe that should have been something that they would have, should have thought about. But I guess they're going to give Perez a shot. If he can't hack it, then then call up Kyle Nelson. But I think Kyle Nelson earned it in the spring. I do, too. I wonder, I mean, on one hand, service time, blah. I know he's a reliever, but there's trade value involved in service time, too. Um, so I'm wondering if based on the fact that they knew they were going to keep him, they're just sort of banking on Perez being effective enough that maybe they can get something for him when Nelson's ready mysteriously after working on his defense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't see it as a service time thing. It's more that, you know, Nelson had options and Perez didn't. So yeah, if, but Perez if they is kept 39, Nelson, yeah. 40, yep, 39, 39, almost, yeah, almost 40. So, and I guess he is one of the guys, Tito's guys that's, and he's been dependable in the past, but. I just want to commission, I want to commission a big oil painting of Tito's guys. And it's just like Oliver Perez. Uh, who did you always play cribbage with? Was it was Shaw. Napoli? It was Shaw. Shaw and Napoli. Yeah. Just, uh, just the, the guys all playing cribbage naturally. Eating bubblegum and chew and popsicles. Uh, I would be remiss to not mention that, uh, you know, Adam Pletko did get traded to the Orioles, I believe, for cash considerations. So that was one of the ways that they were able to open up a roster spot on the 40-man to keep uh, Shaw and uh, Perez on the roster uh, because, you know, they they had to to make some room. The the 40-man roster was full at the time, so... Um, and I think they moved Cam Hill to the 60-day DL as well. What's going to happen to some of the young guys like Mercado, Zimmer, Bradley, Ital, that uh, what's the limbo they're going to be stuck in now? Because they can't go to Columbus because the season doesn't start until yep. May. Well, I'm now. assuming that at least one, if not two, is going to be on that kind of emergency five-man squad that they can take with them on the road. Um, and then in the meantime, they'll be, you know, doing their thing in Columbus. Uh, I think they have a, a taxi squad set up. Um, they announced, uh, I, I've been seeing that some players, some players getting reporting over there. Like, uh, so that's probably where they're just going to be getting reps, staying fresh and making themselves ready if needed. So whether it's an injury or a positive COVID test or whatever, uh, they will, uh, you know, I guess be at beck and call and, I mean, we got, we're going to find out how this uh, center field experiment is going to work because we really don't have anybody that traditionally plays center field capable of playing center field right now. I mean, our outfield might be the worst defensive outfield in baseball. It's going to be wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Daniel Johnson, Bradley Zimmer, and Oscar Mercado are, I would say, three of the better defensive outfielders that we have. and. They're all in Columbus. They're all going to be getting reps on the outfield. I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do in Columbus even because they're going to have those three. Nolan Jones is going to be trying to get reps in the outfield. You'll still have guys like Connor Maribel um, that 
is not going to be playing in double A. I mean, he's already a good triple A player. So yeah, I don't know what they're going to do, but um, it's going to be, it's a very crowded situation by, uh, so by keeping some of these veterans, they are creating some serious clutter at the the triple A level right now. So we'll see how it plays out. It's a long season, but uh, that, that's where we are right now. The, the only other prospect that I really haven't talked about is Emmanuel Classe through 102 miles an hour the other day. I am so pumped to see what he can do this year. I think that uh, reports of Karen Shack locking down the closer role have been grossly exaggerated. I don't, I'm fine with Karen Shack being the closer, but I'm just excited that, you know, Klasse is going to be getting some late inning leverage, high leverage situations consistently. How, how hard do you think his slider is? Isn't it like 94? 94 miles yeah. an hour. That's Shane understand. Bieber's fastball. <laughs> Guys who throw off-speed pitches in the 90s just piss me off. I don't... I saw something ridiculous. It was like somebody posted that there were three pitches in the entire 2020 season that were over 102 miles an hour where a batter swung and missed. And that happened the entire 2020 season. And Class A did it twice in one inning. Okay. (laughs) In his last appearance. (laughs) So... Just to say, I'm feeling a little bit better about that trade uh, because basically we got him for one inning of Corey Kluber. Well, when you put it that way, you can't really complain anymore. Um, So I think that wraps up our opening day roster considerations here on the Untitled Cleveland Baseball Franchise Prospect Podcast. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back and answer some listener questions. So we'll be back after this. Do you have too many middle infield prospects on your baseball team? Need to move around some talent to other positions, but don't know how? (laughs) Hi, my name's Smithsonian Xavier, and I'm with the Prospect Discombobulator. I need a guest from the audience to come up and show how this thing works. Do I have any takers? Oh, me, me, me. Oh, hell, look, it's Brian Hemminger. Brian, here. Take this. All right, what am I supposed to do with it? Just point it at any prospect. All right. uh, Who are you pointing it at? Gabriel Arias. Fire. Pew. Oh, look. Gabriel Arias is now six foot ten and throws 105 miles an hour left-handed. Great. Do one more. Owen Miller. Fire. Pew. Oh, Owen Miller's a dog now. Oh. He's a very cute Labrador, though. Maybe we should take this back to testing. Anyway, I'm Smithsonian Xavier with the Prospect Discombobulator. We'll see you next time. And we're back on the Untitled Cleveland Baseball Franchise Prospect Podcast. Brian, do you want to go ahead and uh, open us up with the first listener question? Yeah, we've got some good ones here, so uh, appreciate uh, them uh, rolling in here on a short notice. But uh, Tangible Uno, at Tangible Uno, asks, What individual in the organization that still has their rookie status will accumulate the most war in a Cleveland uniform during the 2020s? 
I feel like it's Tristan McKenzie because he is still technically a rookie and I feel like he's going to pitch really well this season. So I, I don't... I don't know of anyone else that still has the rookie eligibility who I feel confident could put up like two to three wins. Well, the thing is, it says during the 2020s. So we've got a full decade. Oh, I can't read. God damn it. I spend all this time parsing the question and I forget the last during the 2020s. Yeah. I'm just going to hide for the rest of this question. All right. We'll redo it. So (laughs) I've I've asked you the question and then you'll get your chance. I blew it live. (laughs) We're, we're just going to push through this. I okay. still say Tristan McKenzie. Dang it. That's it's still a valid answer because he gets a head start, you know, most likely being in the rotation to start 2021. So if he sticks it out through his whole rookie contract, that's, you know, five, six more years of uh, war accumulation in a Cleveland uniform. Now, if so I could that is pick, not a bad guess. If I could pick anyone, George Valera is my answer, but... That was my pick. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. And I am going to go Valera. I mean, where's the biggest need right now? The outfield. Um, It seems like Mercado and Zimmer are just those 4A. They're just not quite getting over the hump. Same with Daniel Johnson. I like all three of them. But in terms of stud prospect status, um, you know, when George Valera, I think he could be ready as soon as next year. And once he gets in there, he is not letting go. Um, we have basically center field open moving forward and we've got left field open moving forward because I think Rosario is only on a one-year deal. I think as soon as he steps in there, whether it's at center or left, he is staying and he's going to be there a long time. I think he's somebody they could potentially build around, um, Still, he's only had a small sample size, but uh, this guy, I think, is legit. So that's that's my winner. But, I mean, there are so many. You can do Tyler Freeman. You can do uh, you know, Daniel Espino. I mean, there are so many stud prospects in that Cleveland system. So I don't think there's really a, a bad answer. But, uh, no, uh, in terms of position players, I, I, always, I just feel like position players can accumulate more war anyway. So I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Valera. Our next question comes from Richard K. Bach, who asks, do lefty minor leaguers work on bunting against the big shift? I have absolutely no idea. I would hope that they do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I there's nothing I love more than seeing four guys all on the right side of the infield and then somebody dropping down a bunt and getting a double. Yeah, like, the that bunt is my double. favorite thing in the world. Yes. Um, I think the bunt double is better than a triple. <laughs> So um, I I would hope because, I mean, you have to do something. I mean, I know that they're doing like they're they're testing some rules and stuff to like ban shifts in the minors this year. Um, I know. But positions are a lie. (laughs) If those uh, if that does not come into play, then you need to have another option, a weapon against the shift. And if that is, you know, getting really good at bunting to basically get a free hit every time they shift on you then I think you should take it. So uh, it uh, having the option of being able to do that is, I think, extremely important. So I, uh, I would absolutely be working on it. But again, you know, would you rather have a single or, you know, jack one 50 feet over the, the right field wall? I like dingers. Yeah, I like dingers too. 
What's our next question? Okay. Win- at Winston Taylor asks, with the surplus of high contact, high athleticism, middle infield prospects in the organization, is there going to be a point where the team starts to trade away from the position of strength to address other needs on the roster or organization in general? Well, I know there's some startup companies working on answers to this question, though results are not promising all the time so far. It, it, it seems like they have to, because as these guys start to come up, there's a huge 40-man roster crunch coming up. We can't keep all these guys. This upcoming 40 uh, Rule 5 draft is going to be extremely important because there's about 12 guys that they can't afford to let go in the Rule 5. I mean, we just lost two. They weren't like our top, top prospects, but Kai Tom made the, the Oakland A's a good team for their outfield, and uh, Luisa Oviedo made the Pirates as well. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we aren't in that same situation this upcoming November when they have to make some tough decisions. So I think that's partially why they have some veterans on uh, some one-year deals that they can free up those uh, roster spots. So uh, we'll see what they do. But uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of young talent added to that 40-man roster and they're still, they're absolutely going to have to make some trades. I mean, even with them moving around uh, middle infielders to other positions, uh, you still have too many good middle infielders. Because uh, right now, it looks like Andres Jimenez has the shortstop job locked down. If he performs well, and I think he, he absolutely can, then that's one spot already taken up. And then you've got Jose Ramirez locked in for another two years, almost certainly. Um, I mean, it is a super discount, even with the team options. So basically you've got the rest of the infield prospects fighting for second base and utility. So you're going to have to trade some away. And I think that they're going to make some smart choices. Um, They'll trade away some really good prospects that are going to help some other teams, but Hopefully we get something really good back, whether it be some more really good young prospects or uh, a good solid veteran that is going to help us win. So it just, it depends where we are as well in terms of contending. Like if we're actually in it for the division, then they'll trade for veteran assistance right now. If we're not, then they could trade some of those roster crunch people for uh, some flyers on some people that are going to be a little bit further away just to free up some space. The other option too, is that the Indians decide to revolutionize the game with the anti-shift in which you have pitcher catcher first base and then six shortstops, but they're (laughs) all at shortstop. That would be interesting. You'd have to be even more than Bieber-esque in terms of your control to, to force the, uh, the opposing hitters to hit it to the shortstop. But I would just want to see the, um, (laughs) Uh, what was the game? I can't believe I can't remember this game. You throw the football up in the air and just shout out a number like from 100 to a thousand and whoever gets to a thousand first wins. Is it, did it, is this a game that only existed in my neighborhood? <laughs> I've never played that. So okay. I, I don't know. I just am, am imagining the rush of shortstops after a ground ball being like this ridiculous stampede, like that old playground game. So our next question comes from Tricky Dick underscore six, and he asks, 
basically the same thing. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to, I'm sorry, Tricky Dick. You just got cut from the podcast. Damn, son. <laughs> well, it is a slightly different, but basically the same thing. Yeah. Just what do we do with the shortstops? So um, we can recombobulate them. We can trade them. I just, we're not going to cut them. We have to turn them into something, some other value. So whether it be convert them to outfielders, convert them to second base, utility, first base even, <laughs> as we're seeing uh, with the Yu Chang playing first. So uh, there are a lot of possibilities, but at some point you're going to have to make some tough decisions. We also have another question from oh, A-I-R-E-A-Z-Z-Y. Ariezy? Ariezy? So they ask, is Daniel Johnson ever going to get out of purgatory? And like we've said with the roster crunch, I guess maybe he's going to end up getting Kai Tommed. I don't know. Yeah. I want to, I want DJ to spin and it's never going to happen. It He's going to have to outplay um, Bradley Zimmer and Oscar Mercado in uh, the taxi squad. Yeah. I mean, Zimmer wasn't that bad in the spring, um, but I mean, he just had options. So they sent him down and kept the veterans. Um, and uh, next year we'll have left field open. So that is going to be a possibility as well. Or they might move uh, Naylor to left and then Johnson could play right. And then the only other options are hope that the center field experiment is a disaster and they need to call somebody up and he could be an option. But um, it'll boil down to, you know, right now we've already got, you know, left-handed hitting Eddie Rosario, left-handed hitting Josh Naylor and left-handed hitting Ben Gamble in the outfield. So he's going to have to step in for one of them. It either is going to be performance-based with Gamble or injury-based with Naylor or Rosario, which I I hope we don't have happen, but that is his path to uh, playing time right now. And I guess I'm not being quite fair to Zimmer and Mercado because I don't, I guess Mercado, you can say had more of a fair shot than Zimmer did since Zimmer's rookie year, he slid into first and separated his shoulder. And I don't really know that we've seen him again. Yeah. He hasn't been the same. Like he came back with like a reworked swing last year. He didn't do very well. Uh, he was okay this spring. I mean, he really was. He, he, he hit pretty well and got on base at a decent clip. So, you know, I actually was would have been okay with him making the roster in the spring. I thought he was going to when they announced that Mercado wasn't. Right. But they, they went with Gamble instead. So we'll see how that plays. But if the defense is a disaster, then I think that they might have to call him up. We'll see what happens. But again, going to be some tough decisions coming up. Uh, what is our final question for this edition of the podcast, Brian? I think it might be the most important one. I'm actually... I'm shocked that someone dared to ask this in a public forum because this cuts right to the heart of so many of our societal issues right now. I'm not even comfortable reading it, Brian. Can you take it for me? Yeah. At Lavrasic asks, who do you main in Smash Bros in all capitals? I have a confession to make. I have not consistently played Super Smash Brothers since the original. (laughs) (laughs) So my main is legitimately still just Mario and I dodge like a madman in the original. It was actually kind of fun. Uh, we were, my sisters and I um, and my brother-in-law were going to C2E2. We went three or four years in a row, I think. 
and they always had this big section where they just had a bunch of old CRT monitors hooked up with all the old gaming systems. And this was pre-COVID time, so you could just drop by, pick up a controller, and start playing against each other. And they had a few with Super Smash Brothers, the original setup. And there were some guys sitting there playing, and they were pretty good. And I was just like, you know what? It's been years. Let's see if I can still hang. And like, I lost, but the guy shook my hand and was like, not bad. Hey, I don't know if that was anybody, but he he looked like he plays a lot of Super Smash Brothers. So <laughs> and uh, for me, um, I first started playing when uh, Confession Time, my parents did not allow me to play video games growing up. Uh, so it actually had some serious negative consequences on me when I finally did get to play video games. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, I finally got an N64 when I was in high school. So that was kind of when I started. And so my first exposure to, to Super Smash Brothers was the Super Smash Brothers for N64. And I loved it. I have not had any other like Nintendo systems like the Switch or any of that stuff since. Um, other than like a, a DS. I mean, I, I play like Pokemon on Game Boy and stuff, but um, I was all about, and I hope this doesn't, you know, piss people off, but I, I liked my Kirby, man. He's fun. Yep. I love how he eats people and then steals their abilities, and it's just hilarious. So I'm all about Kirby. I love the little way he floats around and you, you kick him off and he just keeps hopping back. I mean, it's hilarious. So, I mean, I'm not an expert or anything, but I would cheese with Kirby like crazy. Uh, full disclosure, I also look like I play a lot of Super Smash Brothers, so I'm not throwing any shade there. I I don't think. I don't know. No offense to anyone who enjoys Super Smash Brothers, obviously. We loved this question. And I just bought a Switch, so maybe I'll get back into it. I don't know. I think the other player I would use pretty consistently was Captain Falcon. I just remember this because I would always be like, Captain Punch, Falcon Punch, Falcon constantly. So who on the Indians roster today do you think would be the best character in Super Smash Brothers? Uh, In terms of like if you could play as them or if they were playing. Like there's literally like they get zoomed into the video game. And now all of a sudden an Indians baseball player is fighting Star Fox. Karen Jack, I mean, it's not even close. I think he'd be a complete really? psycho. <laughs> like, he would just murder people. So it would be Karen Jack. In terms of playing, I'd probably go McKenzie. I've heard some legends that he is quite the uh, talented uh, Call of Duty player. So feel like I want to take Roberto Perez, and I don't know why. I just think that he would... He'd be like Metal Mario out there. He'd, just, he'd take all this damage, all this damage, and he doesn't really hit hard. He doesn't really hit hard. And then all of a sudden you get too close and he unleashes a smash attack and you're just gone. You know what? I'm going to switch it. Fran Meal. Oh, that dude that's is, so good. Yeah, that dude is. A, that, I'm not joking. I saw him in person uh, at Tribe Fest 2019 and Bobby Bradley was standing next to him and he looked like a toddler. Yeah, and Bobby Royals, Bradley is huge. The Royals broadcast was talking about this the other day as he's standing on first next yeah, to Yeah, Fran Mil Reyes like, is a man mountain. Look tiny. He is a mountain of man. So, yes, it has to be Fran Mil Reyes now that I think about it again. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> 
I, we'll end on that is envisioning Fran Mil Reyes hopping across the top of the Pokemon level buildings and just completely obliterating Pikachu. I like it. This brings us to our final moment of the untitled Cleveland baseball franchise prospect podcast in which we read a selection from Nobel laureate E.E. Gammings, who can be found on Twitter at E.E. Gammings, shockingly. At this time, poetry. Buck Farmer. So, Buck! Buck, Buck, Buck. And then he has, shall have, O'Houlihan. But I am Bubbles, but trudge, until you are too listless. <laughs>